Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome you to the episode number 435 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is the 80th edition of our Weekender, where we tell you about all things you can do in amateur radio and open source that are coming up in the next two weeks. And also visit the hedonism, where we talk about food and music and booze and all the things that make life worth living. So we're glad you tuned in to this episode of The Weekender, and without any hesitation, we should go ahead and dive right into it. We start with amateur radio topics, and we should probably tell you who is going to relay those topics to you. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And Bill starts us off with amateur radio. He tells us what contests and CQ parties or whatever those things are called, QSO parties that are coming up over the next two weeks. And let's go ahead and get right into it. What do we got coming up? That's right. And of course, we always get these from contest calendar. Got time. No, contest calendar.com. The most wonderful uh, consonants type thing sounding thing contest calendar. Yeah. The most wonderful contest calendar.com. Anyway, this weekend we have a pretty full weekend here we got one big contest to talk about we got worked all germany contest it runs from 1500 zulu october 16th to 1459 zulu october 17th bands there are 80 meters through 10 meters no work or 60 uh modes are cw and single sideband the deutscher amateur radio club or dark has the honor to invite amateurs all over the world to participate in the annual worked all germany contest to reduce interference with the participants of jamboree on the air contest operation is not allowed in the following contest free zones and those are basically all the upper end of the single sideband areas where you know we would normally see general class hams operating uh like uh, 14 to 90 and up 14 uh well they have let's see here single sideband they don't want you operating from 14 to 80 and up uh on uh that's on uh 20 meters on 40 meters it's uh well they have a weird allocation so <laughs> this is germany after all and uh on uh, 80 meters 3650 to 3700 but anyway because they don't want people to work any you know interfere with anybody working uh jamboree on the air at the same time because this contest always shares the same weekend with jamboree on the air and uh, since we're talking about Jamboree on the Air, I'll talk about Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet, which, of course, is happening this this weekend is the uh, the big event. J-O-T-A, G-O-J-O-T-I dot info is the website for the Jamboree, Jamboree on the Internet and Jamboree on the Air. And you can find all the information there that has uh, uh, the ability for you to sign up and register your station if you're going to throw a station up on the air with some scouts or if you're just going to participate in some of the digital activities that they have. Because this is the 
largest, the world's largest digital scout uh, on the air and uh, on the internet event, and it's international. Uh, what is this? That uh, this is like I don't know the millionth one. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's on the patch and I'm looking for it and it's not sitting up there. Uh, so it's more than 60 years. So, uh, yeah, this has been going on for a long time and, uh, you can find all the information over there on J O T I J J O T A J O T I dot info. Sorry, too many letters. And of course, K2BSA.com, K2BSA.net. I'm going to mess everything up now <laughs> that we're doing this the second time. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to let the cat out of the bag on that. Ixnay, Ixnay on the second time, eh? Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I just sent an email blast today from the K2BSA group uh, informing everybody that Jamboree on the Air is this weekend. So uh, all the resources you can find, including uh, frequency guides and everything else, uh, you can find up on our website on k2bsa.net. Other information and registration can be found on the world site, which of course is through the uh, the international uh, uh, world organization of the scouting movement. Uh, remember, if you uh, if you're looking at the, the the frequency guides on our site, they generally have some calling frequencies that were established years ago by the World Organization of the Scouting Movement. These are by no means the only frequency on the band that you need to operate. Uh, please feel free to use the whole band. That's why uh, ICOM and Kenwood and Yezu installed a nice big round uh, dial-looking thing on your radio. So go ahead and just feel free to spin around uh, the band up and down around there and get around from the QRM because you don't want to sit there and call CQ Joda on top of other people working stations and calling CQ Joda. Try to work somebody in a clear frequency and uh, play nice on the HF bands. And if you can't work HF because of conditions, well, gosh, there's all kinds of digital ways that you can get on the air. We've talked about uh, a cool little tool called Dude Star that you can use and uh, get connected to DMR and all those other fancy uh, modes like M17 DMR and YSF and, and, and so on and so forth. You also have Echolink you can get on. You have D Star you can get on. And you can also do simplex or, you know, repeater contacts. So feel free to get on the air and try any way possible to work scouts on the radio. And we also have state QSO party challenges this weekend. This weekend is New York and Illinois. So be on the lookout for those on the air. Contest next weekend, we have the UKEI DX contest. And this, in, this one starts uh, 1200 Zulu, October 23rd, and it runs to 1200 Zulu, October 24th. Bands there are 80 through 10 meters. Uh, modes are single sideband. And the aim of these contests is to promote contacts between the UK and Ireland and the stations in the rest of the world. All UK and Ireland contesters, including those with modest stations and antennas, will experience the fun of being a multiplier in a worldwide contest. There are long periods in the 24 hours when DX stations cannot work uh, the UK or Ireland because there is no propagation. So all entrants can work other entrants for QSO points and multipliers. However, a good score will only be achieved by working sufficient numbers of UK and Ireland stations with their UK and Ireland district code multipliers. The other contest we got for next weekend here is the Stu Perry Top Band Challenge, and it runs from 1500 Zulu October 23rd to 1500 Zulu October 24th. Band there is 160 meters. Mode is single sideband. And what is the Stu Perry Top Band Challenge? It was an event that was created by a small group of contesters who were interested in 160 meters, the top band. 
The most unique feature of this contest is that the point value of the QSOs depends upon the distance between the two stations. You are given one point plus another one another point for each of the 500 kilometers of distance between the stations. Points are also multiplied for lower power categories for both the sending and receiving station. The activity levels for this contest continue to grow, but the band tends to be less crowded than other contests, making it easier to work DX. The December event, which is the Big Stew, has the highest participation, which is due to the good conditions for the Northern Hemisphere, but also due to the plaques that are sponsored. Lou, W7EW, has been sending out the plaques, and they are in shacks all around the world. The categories for the plaques are decided by the sponsors, and there are plenty of ones to go around. Typically, there are plaques for stations using smaller or temporary antennas. So get out there and try to work some portable 160 meters. It's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. And for the state QSO party challenges, there are none for the following weekend, so you don't have to worry about it. You can take the, take the weekend off. So what do you got for special events? All right, for special events, we should start with the big one, the one that's coming up. If you downloaded this right away, you'll be able to participate in Joda and Jody, something we have been talking about quite a bit because it involves the Boy Scouts, and Bill can't let it lie, no matter what we do. Uh, This will be one particular station that's operating a special event during Joda and Jody, Whiskey One Mike, from October 16, 1300 Zulu to 1900 Zulu. Frequencies will be on or about 7.26, 14.06, 14.25, and Brandmeister Talk Group 907. So that gives you your CW digital and phone. And the worldwide scouting event in which young people use ham radio to connect with each other is coming up this weekend, 15th through the 17th. So be a part of that. And this event is about spending time letting young people talk on the radio. It is not a contest. And Whiskey One Mike is a portable station that will be operating from a rustic camp setting up in New England. So participate in that. And that's another special event you can get while you're operating some Jota and some Jyoti. We also have the Shenandoah National Park special event. This will be operating from October 17th at 0600 Zulu to October 23rd at 0600 Zulu. The call sign for this is Whiskey Four Delta Oscar. Frequencies 7.24 and 14.300. This special event will activate numerous overlooks and summits spanning the length of Shenandoah National Park. Participants are encouraged to make contact with all of the stations for a clean sweep and certificate. Information, of course, will be in the show notes. And then we have Remembering the Edmund Fitzgerald, something that Gordon Lightfoot will never let us forget. This is operating from October 29th through the 31st, 1500 to 2359 Zulu each day. Call sign is Whiskey Zero Juliet Hotel, operating on or about 7.26, 14.26, or 28.380. Those are all phone frequencies, but they are also operating CW, FT8, and possibly PSK31. The Stillwater Amateur Radio Station, I did it again. Association. Don't tell him you did it twice. Come on. I know. We've already, we've already screwed that, Pooch. All right. So Sarah will be operating to commemorate the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald uh, using W0JH on single sideband and W0F, Whiskey Zero Foxtrot, on CW, FT8, and PSK31. Sarah members will not be operating from home stations this year because they're going to be actually at a lighthouse. This is the 46th anniversary of the ship's mysterious sinking and the 17th year of operating the special event. Certificates by email only in PDF format, and you can confirm your QSO using the information that is included in the show notes. And this is also Amateur Radio Lighthouse Society, USA Lighthouse 783, and NPOTA, Parks on the Air, site K-2524. 
in grid square en 47 so there you go lots of fun things you can participate in and then bill has just released a new video on the youtube channel he's going to tell you a little bit about it but not too much that's right, because I want you to go see it. I don't want you to assume that I'm going to give you everything here. But, yeah, this is a video on CQR log that uh, goes back to a comment we, we received and talked about. On the last show from W6BZY, Ken, he dropped a line to us that said that, uh, yeah, that CQR log bin package out of uh, out of the uh, Arch user repository uh, does not allow you to install uh, the database to begin with. So if you go in as a new user, unlike what I did, which is copy my CQR log directory over, he says that if you go in and create, create a new directory or new new uh, new database installation, it will bomb out. And uh, yeah, so I, I did the video to see and confirm <laughs> whether or not that's the case. And I did it with uh, Garuda Linux uh, GNOME edition. So if you haven't seen that, you'll get a chance to see that. I also decided uh, to try out uh, CQR log on Fedora 34 and Ubuntu 21.10. So the brand new shiny release of 21.10. And I used the Mate edition, uh, pure clean, clean version. So I didn't have any of the pure blend or anything else on there. So uh, yeah, we, we install CQR log on three different systems and we see which one works. So uh, check out the video and you'll see which one, and I mean one, works. <laughs> so that's the hint you get. All right, very good. So that brings us down to the end of our amateur radio topics. But I did throw in a Linux in the Hamshack Ham Radio Challenge, and this is for the folks who download this episode early enough to jump in. But go ahead and work some Joda and Jody, make some scouts happy, get them on the air, talk to them on the internet, and uh, participate with them in all the ways that they are interacting with all the folks around the world. So let's move on into some open source. And the first thing we have in here is the distros to try. And I threw in Rocky Linux because this is like the project that took over where CentOS left off. It's a community enterprise operating system designed to be 100% bug-per-bug compatible with America's top enterprise Linux distribution, Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Now that its downstream partner has shifted direction, it is under intensive development by the community. Rocky Linux is led by Gregory Kurtzer, founder of the CentOS project. Not surprising. I installed this in a VM. The install is pretty simple, pretty typical of CentOS and Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Um, I wouldn't consider this a distribution for noob type users because one thing that happened is when it came up in operating mode the primary network interface was not up so you couldn't connect to anything and if you don't know how to do that from the command line because there's no default desktop in you know uh, environment then getting that network interface could be problematic and uh, if you can't get to the network then you can't really do anything because you've installed from a minimal install iso so uh, but other than that it worked really well. It looks exactly like CentOS, as it probably should, because it basically is CentOS, which also looks like Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which it should, because that's what it is. And uh, if this is the kind of project or the kind of operating system you need from a community-driven project, then you should check out Rocky Linux. So there's that. <laughs> and uh, moving on, we get into open source events, and this is where we bring Cheryl in to tell you all about the Things that are coming up over the next few weeks in the open source space where you can get together either virtually or in person with other folks of like mind and participate in conferences. So what's coming up? 
Okay, so the first one coming up is All Things Open. It's October 17th through the 19th. It's online and in Raleigh, North Carolina. The cost is free to $139. The information says co-located events include diversity and inclusion and open source in the Community Leadership Summit. All Things Open is a conference for developers, technologists, and decision makers around the topic of open source in the enterprise. The event will feature world-class speakers, content, and networking opportunities. Attendees can choose from 45-minute to one-and-a-half-hour sessions or workshops hosted by some of the best open-source experts in the world. The goal is to educate you so you can make open-source work for your company. Uh, and again, you know, all, all information on these things are in the show notes. Our next one is GitHub Universe. It's October 27th to 28th. It's online. It's free. The information contained is GitHub Universe, the premier event for global tech, uh, global developer tech community, is taking place virtually and is streaming for you free wherever you are in the world. Our mainline stream action runs October 27th to 28th from 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time each day. Universe is for anyone involved in software development. No matter where you are in your software journey, you'll find content at Universe for you. Program content is designed around two core areas developer, which is gearing towards open source contributors and maintainers running projects of all sizes, as well as developers looking to understand the latest software tools, techniques, and best practices. And for the enterprise, which is tailored for senior leaders and decision makers from global companies interested in transformation, security, scalability, and productivity. Choose from sessions that cover topics including DevOps, security, developer productivity, and the open source community. Whoever you are, wherever you are, GitHub Universe welcomes you. The next one is the Linux Foundation Member Summit. It's November 2nd through the 4th in Napa, California. It is free, but by invite only. The information is the Linux Foundation Member Summit, formerly Open Source Leadership Summit, is the annual gathering for Linux Foundation member organizations. The event fosters collaboration, innovation, and partnerships among the leading projects and organizations working to drive digital transformation with open source technologies. It's a must attend for businesses and technical leaders looking to advance open source open source strategy, implementation, and investment in their organizations, and learn how to collaboratively manage the largest shared technology investment of our time. And the last one is the Seattle GNU Linux Conference, otherwise known as Seagull. It is November 5th and 6th. It is virtual, based out of Seattle. There's no cost currently posted. Uh, Russ actually mentioned that he had checked and didn't see a whole lot regarding the conference. But the information we have so far is Siegel is as free as in Freedom and T Grassroots Technical Summit dedicated to spreading awareness and knowledge about free, libre, and open source software, hardware, and culture. Siegel strives to be welcoming, enjoyable, and informative for professional technologists, newcomers, enthusiasts, and all other users of free software, regardless of their black excuse me, background knowledge, providing a space to bridge these experiences and strengthen the free software movement through mentorship, collaboration, and community. And again, information on all of these are contained in the show notes. All right, very good. Well, thanks for bringing us down through all of those open source events. I mean, there are some coming up now, and after this sort of wasteland of August and September, Events are coming into focus. Well, I notice a lot of them are really waiting late in their development cycle to sort of post any information, mostly probably because they're virtual and whatnot. 
and generally speaking free so they're probably not too concerned about having all of their you know agenda and everything posted early but uh, hopefully they'll put some information up here before too long since it's only about three weeks away but Anyway, moving on, we have our Linux in the Handshack open source challenge that I put in here to send us an email or get in contact with us somehow uh, to let us know what interesting things you're doing with open hardware and software. If there's a project that you're working on or you do something that's a little unusual or whatever, it would be nice to hear about it and see what's going on out there with our listeners. Uh, info at lhspodcast.info is where you can send that information and just kind of let us know what's going on. It may generate some interest with other folks or generate some topics we can follow up on on the program and we'd love to hear from you anyway so if you got a few minutes and you know a little bit of an interesting topic to send our way we'd love to hear what open source hardware and software is doing for you so uh get in touch let us know what's going on i hear bill click click clicking in the background he must be firing off an email right now oh fix all the software he broke earlier today so yeah, well, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that's the amateur radio and open source stuff that's good for the next couple of weeks but let's get into the food and the booze and the music and all the things that make life worth living we're down to hedonism and we always start off hedonism with food because you know all got to eat so we let cheryl tell us what's going to be in the oven this week this week, I have sheet pan teriyaki chicken and pineapple stir-fry in the oven. Sometimes we just want something quick and easy to throw together for dinner. This is that type of meal, and it takes care of my craving for teriyaki chicken in the process. For this, you need thick teriyaki sauce, which Kikaman actually makes a teriyaki glaze. That's perfect. Some honey, some sriracha, uh, which is red chili sauce, uh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts, fresh pineapple, carrots, red bell pepper, sesame seed, green onions. Um, throw all this on a sheet pan and throw it in the oven and you've got dinner and it's, it's all on the one pan. So, and of course the recipe will be in the show notes. For my mixed drink corner, I picked a maple old fashioned and while I try to stick with vodka and rum because they're my favorite alcoholic beverages, I'm also a big fan of bourbon and scotch. So while I was perusing the, the web for a good fall-themed drink, this one caught my eye. Old fashions, while I love them, can be a little bitter, depending on how much simple syrup you put in them. But this maple syrup should definitely take that bite away and add a taste of fall to your drink. And for this, you need two ounces of rye or bourbon, a teaspoon of maple syrup, some Angostura bitters, and orange peel for garnish. Throw everything in a glass along with one teaspoon of water to help dissolve the syrup. Add a large ice cube, garnish with your orange peel, and enjoy. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Obviously, they're just substituting the maple syrup for the simple syrup, which is normally in there. And uh, it sounds pretty good, although they use an orange peel i like using orange bitters along with cherry bitters and angostura bitters because i like bitter stuff <laughs> well you know the yeah, orange the orange peel makes it pretty well that's true but we don't generally have oranges lying around so you know yeah. you gotta gotta get your orange a different way you can't yeah. can't like squeeze the little juices out of the orange peel <laughs> spritz the top right, right. exactly <laughs> <laughs> or do the little thing that donnie used to do where we'd like light the orange peel and squirt it <laughs> yeah well that causes it to release the oil so right yeah that's uh for people who have way more time to make cocktails than i do he's so. also a professional bartender <laughs> well you know, there so. is that, so 
All right, for my drink corner this time, we throw you a little bit of a curveball and drink some Irish whiskey. In this case, Bushmills Black Bush Irish whiskey, which is sort of a lower end Irish whiskey. It it comes in under thirty dollars a bottle, um, but at least it's not Jameson. So for the description, while this is a blended whiskey, roughly 80% of the source from the product is whiskey that was produced from malted barley. The remaining 20% of the volume comes from grain whiskey that is added and blended together. Once the whiskey is blended, it is aged for up to seven years in a combination of previously used sherry casks and bourbon barrels to impart some of the flavors into the spirit. So you're going to get some sherry notes and bourbon notes, and it's going to be a little on the sweeter side, as most Irish whiskeys are that aren't Jameson. So let's get into the details. For the mash bill, we have, as previously stated, 80% malted barley and 20% grain whiskey. And the proof on this is bottled at 80 proof, 40% ABV. It comes from Northern Ireland, somewhere in Northern Ireland. Uh, The color on it is a golden honey color. It's not very dark, even though it's been in a barrel for upwards of seven years because the cold climate in places like Northern Ireland doesn't allow the barrels to impart their char in quite the same way as it does in warmer climates so they tend to be a little bit lighter on the eye the nose on this is nice and fruity and very much like irish whiskeys that aren't jameson we have apple vanilla salted butter and malted barley Uh, the taste on it's even better it brings in some more kitcheny fall spicy type notes we have caramel apple cinnamon vanilla buttered bread and toffee so definitely things on the sweeter side of the spectrum but most Irish whiskeys are, are pretty sweet. So the finish on this, I found it about medium length. It has a slightly oily finish in the mouth. It definitely coats your, your inner cheeks and your palate and your tongue. Uh, and it gives you little hints of barley, soft fruit, and oak. And overall, it's quite a pleasing Irish whiskey. It comes in, as I said before, a little under $30, which is a really good buy. And it's way better than Jameson. So... If you want to get into an Irish whiskey, uh, I would explore all of the ones that aren't that one I keep mentioning. And uh, definitely check this one out. It's worth the less than $30 that you'll probably pay for it if you can find it. I'm going to give it a rating of 86, and I'm going to go ahead and have another sip of it here. This has been Bush Mills Black Bush Irish Whiskey. So check it out. And Bill, I know you've got a couple of things over there you wanted to touch on. Yeah, yeah, because you were just like so smart. <laughs> <laughs> because not because we've done this once before or anything. So. Yeah, no, <laughs> hardly. What are you talking about? So yeah, the the two things I'm going to talk about tonight. I have one of them is in my glass right now. It's the uh, Maker's Mark Cask Strength. Um, I forget which what which, what level my bottle is. At. I think it's at 109 and change, maybe 109.5 or something like that. But anyway, you can, you can, you'll get them in randomly depending upon which barrel they came out of. But I do have to say that I, I, I do like it. I, I'm not a huge fan of regular Maker's Mark, but, um, the cast strength just has, uh, just has enough, um, see now I smell it better too. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I can't make up my mind on this thing. It, it actually, it's really good. I, I'm really surprised that I I like it so much. Normally, I have to drown it in some ginger ale when I drink the regular stuff, but um, yeah, this stuff is nice. I'm I'm just taking it neat, and it's mm, it's actually quite tasty. But that be could could be because um, of the beer I have sitting on my uh, table here that I've been drinking today. Because <laughs> hey. I don't offend anything. Um, yeah, this is the Sierra Nevada Big Little Thing IPA. It's a 90, uh, or sorry, it's an Imperial IPA. I wish it was 90% alcohol. No, no. <laughs> 9% alcohol by volume. It's only 45 
uh, bitterness units, IBU, um, it's really, it's a nice drink. It really is pretty good. Um, for, a, for an Imperial IPA, it, uh, it's very light and very flavorful and not at all as bad as that pink can. I don't even remember what that was called. Um, the hazy IPA is pretty good. That's in like the little teal color can. That one's not bad. Uh, the pink one I did not like at all. Uh, I can't remember what that was called. It was like, I don't know, something else. Some other stupid IPA name from Sierra Nevada was not very good. I don't think I could even find it on their website except for just the corner of the pitcher of the can. But uh, if you uh, if you see this in your uh, in your grocer's fridge or, you know, gas station, whatever, it's in big purple cans. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty good if you want to try an IPA and uh, it's not uh, not a high high IBU. So uh so I think I think you'd probably enjoy it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really good. The big little thing IPA, Imperial IPA from uh, Sierra Nevada. Give it a give it a whirl. Yeah, I might actually do that. I have like six or seven different beers on my list that I want to try here before too long. I was watching a video about beer drinker or beers for whiskey drinkers, and a lot of them sounded really interesting. But none of them are IPAs. Not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they're in their own class, I think. Uh, you know, you kind of have to like bitter things, which you know, with you with your bitters, you would think that you kind of like this stuff. Do you like sours at all? Uh, yes, I do actually. Yeah, see, I'm not a big fan of sours. <laughs> yeah, the wild, wild little thing was in a pink can. Yeah, and that one was a, not good. Yeah, it was a sour ale, so. Yeah, that one was not good. Did not like that one. Not a fan. Uh, I, I do like sour things more than I like um, bitter things, but yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, this one's pretty good. You can't miss it. You could probably find it in the little, you know, I, I got... I have one here, one of those one pint cans that you can buy for like two bucks at the gas station. Right. <laughs> you can make that kind of level of commitment. I think two bucks is probably uh, <laughs> something to try. It's it's pretty tasty. I have to say it. It's kind of refreshing tasting, you know, almost too refreshing. So you just like drink it and drink it. And you're like, oh, wait, these are high <laughs> ABVs. Probably shouldn't drink it like water. <laughs> oh, I will be on the lookout for that. Sounds interesting. All right. Well, that brings us down all the way to the bottom of the program. We got through amateur radio. We got through open source and we made our way down through hedonism. So thanks everybody who listened to the show. We uh, hope you enjoyed this and we'll check in for the next weekender in a couple of weeks time. We'll have a couple of episodes in between there, a short topic and a deep dive. So we got lots of stuff on tap for you. Tune in for all of that stuff. We really appreciate you downloading and listening. And we also really appreciate the folks who were live with us in the chat room tonight. We had Jonathan, W5AJQ, Steve, K7HVT, Tony, K4XSS, Don, KC9ZMY, Det, uh, Dead, oh, sorry, Ted. <laughs> oh, no, poor Ted. <laughs> Ted, WA0EIR, and Darren, VK6EK. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in tonight and for having a lively little conversation in the Discord while we're sitting here recording and trying to put out information and be at least a little bit entertaining for you all. But with that, we're going to go ahead and get on out of here. This has been the 80th edition of The Weekender, episode number 435 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. <laughs>